Welcome to Education Matters, presented by the Public School Forum of North Carolina. I'm your host, Marianne Wolf. Today on our show, we'd like to take the time to explain the federal, state, and local roles in education and how each of those actors contribute to supporting education in different yet very necessary ways. Joining us to discuss these roles are Lindsay Wagner, the Director of Communications for the Public School Forum, and Congresswoman Deborah Ross, who represents North Carolina's 2nd Congressional Districts. I'd like to welcome to the show the Forum's own Communications Director, Lindsay Wagner. Thank you so much, Lindsay, for being with us today. Thanks so much for having me this morning. I'm glad to be here. As you know, later on today's show, we'll hear from Congresswoman Ross about the federal role in supporting education. But first, we'd love for you to give us a, just a basic understanding of how state and local districts work together to support North Carolina's schools. Sure, I'm happy to do that. Um, I think it, that first, it's really important for viewers to understand that in North Carolina, public schools receive the majority of their funding from the state. Um, so in 2019, about 66% of school funds came from the state, while local dollars comprised about 24% of school budgets and federal dollars amounted to about 10% of total education funding for the state's public schools. And so if you're wondering if, you know, why that's the case when you think to so many other states where local property taxes often fund the bulk of schools, this has to do with a couple of different things. First of all, our state constitution contains language that requires the state to ensure that every child has a sound basic education or access to one. Um, and also the state passed a couple of pieces of legislation during the Great Depression that called the state's machinery acts that mandated that the state shoulder the expenses associated with operating public schools. Um, local uh, districts had to take on expenses associated with capital expenditures, um, otherwise known as school construction and maintenance. So that's sort of how um, things are a little bit different here in North Carolina. And also, you know, because the state provides the bulk of funding for our public schools, they've also assumed greater authority in developing policies that guide the day-to-day -day construction um, of our students. And so while the State Board of Education is tasked with setting policy, We've seen over the years that the North Carolina General Assembly, who appropriates funds for our schools, has taken on a greater role um, in setting policy by way of legislation. How would you say these roles of the state and local districts have changed over the years? The Public School Forum has done a lot of work over the years, taking a look at how these two different roles have evolved, sort of the state and local levels, right? Um, so first of all, just to set the stage, I think it's important to understand that while total state dollars have increased over time, um, the share of the state's general fund going to public schools has actually decreased um, since 1970. So we found that if public schools were currently funded at the same percentage as in fiscal year 1970, an additional $3 billion would be available for schools today. And that's um, a finding that's published in our education policy primer, which we publish every other year and is available on our website. Another thing to note is that we publish a local school finance study where we look deeply at local spending. Um, we've been publishing this for more than 30 years, and we have found that year over year, local districts are actually forced 
to take on a larger share of instructional expenses. And this actually exacerbates inequities in educational opportunities between those districts with the greatest need and the least amount of need. So these gaps have come about, you know, because as I mentioned before, we've seen a decrease in state investment in public schools. And we've also seen um, increasing instructional costs thanks to population growth, changes in our economy, changes in student need. Um, in fact, in 2020, we found that there was a gap of about $2,500 between the top 10 and bottom 10 counties in terms of local per pupil spending. That's the biggest gap we've seen since we started publishing this report in 1987. And so I think it's just really important to be mindful of the fact that um, spending across North Carolina um, is not equal. Um, and I also just want to mention this in the context of Leandro. Leandro is a nearly 30-year-old school funding lawsuit that has found consistently that the state is not meeting that constitutional obligation to ensure every child has the opportunity to access a sound basic education. Again, I mentioned that earlier. We have this in our state constitution. So we know that high quality education is not equitably accessible across our state. And now is the time to remedy that. We have a roadmap to do it. Um, we have an eight-year comprehensive plan that parties to this case carefully developed. The judge presiding over the case signed off on it just in the past week. Um, and this plan identifies really targeted ways in which the state can make investments that ensure we you know, retain high quality and attract high quality teachers to the profession, that our accountability and finance systems are much more robust and equitable. I believe this plan will take North Carolina very far in terms of ensuring that students from Murphy to Manio can count on having high quality educational experience that they deserve and that they can um, rely on to compete in tomorrow's economy. A couple of other really important things to note is that um, North Carolina is in a great financial position to make these investments. We know that um, we have six and a half billion dollars in extra state revenues over the next two years. And while our, uh, our state also has access to badly needed um, COVID relief federal investments, those are intended to lift us into a recovery um, mode in which we can address things like learning loss, which is an expensive endeavor. Um, and we're doing that this summer across North Carolina in summer learning programs. Um, but it's, it's not something that will take us along in terms of um, supporting our students over generations. And that's why we need that recurring state investment uh, to be made. And we're in a great position to ensure that our students have what they need um, to compete, as I said, in tomorrow's economy. The differences among our school districts comes often comes down to what local funding is available depending on those counties. And so right. this whole complexity of how education is funded affects really every aspect of, of right. what, what's possible. Um, Lindsay, in our final uh, time together, is there anything else you would really like our North Carolinians to understand about the difference in state, federal, and local roles when it comes to education policy? I've done a lot of reflecting on this, and both in my professional life and personal life, I've found over time that I think there is an assumption on the part of, you know, parents, um, community members that 
what's happening in schools, the policies that you see is set by the principal or your local school board. And in some cases that may be the case, um, but a lot of times those policies originate at the state level. It's a little bit different here in North Carolina. I think I've alluded to this during our time together, but because of that constitutional requirement, because so much of public school funds are appropriated at the state level, policy gets set at the state level as well. And so I think when North Carolinians have strong feelings about public schools and want to see change happen, it's important to reach out to your, uh, your state representatives as well as members of the State Board of Education to ensure that your voice is heard and that um, change comes about. And it's a little bit different here, I think, than in some states. So I just, I think it's important for folks to realize that. Well, thank you so much, Lindsay, for being with us today and helping all of us understand, but also, you know, just realize that a lot of people in our state are, have a vested interest in education and it's at every level of government as well as obviously our community and what's good for North Carolina. So thank you for helping us know more today. After the break, we will welcome Representative Deborah Ross from North Carolina's second district. Education Matters is brought to you each week in part by Town Bank, serving others, enriching lives. I'd like to welcome to the show Representative Deborah Ross from North Carolina's 2nd District in Wake County. Representative Ross, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, it's such a pleasure. And we know you're coming to us from DC, but we know your heart's in North Carolina, so we're thrilled that uh, we could be chatting with you. I'd love to start um, just talking to you as someone who spent many years in our state legislature how would you describe the federal role um, in education, especially as it relates to North Carolina? The federal role in education is to provide funding. And then of course, you know that the federal government funds um, our Title I schools. So those are students who are economically disadvantaged. We also should be funding more, but um, our, dis our, our children with disabilities um, because they are covered by federal law. And then of course, our federal government is responsible for helping with free and reduced price lunch, which comes through Title I. And as we saw in the American Rescue Plan, when there are emergencies, we can provide that federal assistance to make sure that people can get broadband connections, that schools can be safe, so that we can continue operations in the ways that will open our schools safely and make sure our kids can learn. But primarily the federal government should be a strong as we enter this transition and recovery period from COVID-19 and as someone who got to attend some graduations over the weekend, um, you know, really excited that we're starting to see that transition and recovery period. The federal government has played a critical role in supporting North Carolina community schools in the state. Can you share some of the parts you view as the most critical? Well, I think it's absolutely critical that the federal government helped with um, making sure that we could hire more teachers, making sure that schools got additional money again for broadband. What we've seen and what many of us knew before the pandemic was that so many communities don't have access to the internet and don't, and then of course children don't have access 
access to the devices that they need. But the federal government stepped up to supplement whatever state and local communities could do so that kids could do remote learning. And it wasn't perfect. And there's a lot more that needs to be done. But we needed to step into the breach. And then, um, of course, the federal government has some plans for the future around universal pre-K and um, funding community college and so much more for our public schools. Given uh, your career in civil rights law, the state legislature, now the U.S. Uh, House of Representatives, what issues do you see as the most important for education in this transition period, but also as we look a few years um, into the future as well? I think it's critical that we support public education and make sure that it's as good as it possibly can be for every child. And then, you know, you know that I worked on the Leandro lawsuit way, way at the beginning as a friend of the court and followed that lawsuit. But we've got, just like in North Carolina, where there's a constitutional right to a sound basic education, even though the federal government does not guarantee that right, we should see it as a moral responsibility to make sure that every child gets a sound basic education and then gets that supplemental education so that they can compete in our economy and live a full life. And I think that's one of the reasons why the Biden administration has latched on to universal pre-K, which is something that of course, North Carolina has been a leader on um, with Smart Start and more at four. Building on that, um, I know that some of your other work, um, you know, has also led you to address some topics that are very, very pertinent right now, especially in your civil rights uh, legal work. Would you mind sharing a little bit more about those areas too? Yes. So in addition to Leandro, which I was involved in, there are two areas where I've advocated very, very strongly for students at risk. One is um, the comprehensive juvenile justice reform that was done when uh, Governor Hunt was last governor. Now we know Governor Hunt has been governor a lot, but in his, in his last term as governor, um, North Carolina completely overhauled its juvenile justice system for the better and made sure that kids could stay in school, get community supports rather than being ripped away from their communities. We also know that um, frequently schools have relied on suspensions and expulsions um, just to have a kid who's having trouble and really needs some extra help out of the classroom. And so I've advocated for those kids. Um, you know, sometimes I think the best uh, punishment for misbehavior is more school and having to stay in school and get that kind of um, community support, support from social workers, support from teachers and, and um, all sorts of ways to re-engage our students in school. And then of course, um, you know, the raise the age issue um, to make sure that 16-year-olds uh, and 17-year-olds are not going into the adult criminal justice system, but can stay in the juvenile system and have a greater possibility of finishing their education. Another area where I've advocated, and it's come up um, for adults here, we passed the um, a, a bill to prevent pregnancy discrimination and create stronger uh, penalties and ways of enforcing 
discrimination based on pregnancy in the workplace. But we, when we have a student who is pregnant, and um, un unfortunately that's a sad situation for that young woman's education, we have got to make sure that we keep her engaged, both for her future and for the future of her child. I also know that higher education is top of mind for you. Um, would you talk a little bit about some of the key areas you're focusing on in that regard? Well, I love talking about higher education. Um, when I was in the legislature, I represented many of the colleges and universities in Wake County, and I get to represent them again um, as a member of Congress. And I visited several of them already in person. Just at this last work period, I was at Shaw University um, and at NC State University. I keep in very close touch with Campbell Law School. And then of course, Wake Tech is just such a wonderful shining example of community colleges at their best. And now they have the Research Triangle campus um, that is working on tech issues and supporting uh, the Research uh, Triangle Park. So of course, I mentioned that um, the president is supporting free community college. That is something that I have been a supporter of for years. We also, under the American Rescue Plan, provided a lot of resources to our students in our colleges. We also forgave some of the debt that our HBCUs had. And I am part of the IGNITE Act, which is led by our very own Alma Adams, um, to reinvest in our HBCUs, both Shaw and San Augs are in my district um, and they they really do a wonderful job for their students and have been underappreciated for decades. Finally, um, I'm on the Science, Space, and Technology Committee. And we, we this week are going to mark up the National Science Foundation budget. And the National Science Foundation provides crucial grants to our research institutions. NC State gets many of those grants. As a matter of fact, when I was there last week, I got to see the fruits of some of those grants and um, see some of the wonderful centers of innovation they have. But those grants benefit many of our institutions of higher education in the triangle. And then of course, we have got to get a handle on student loan debt. And I've worked on that issue as a state legislator and have introduced a bill to help with student loan debt issues, um, keeping people having their professional licenses. And there are some more bills to come on that. As we wrap up now, I would just love to hear you share a little bit about how you see investments in education from the federal, state, and local levels as being critical for North Carolina's economy? There is no question that investment in education and public education in particular is the game changer. And we have seen that in North Carolina. It is because of our outstanding research institutions that we can attract industries from all over the country and all over the world and that we're a leader in innovation. And our investments in public education attract those people because they want to make sure that their children are getting the best education. But we in North Carolina have valued public education for decades. And again, Governor Hunt making sure that we invested in early childhood education 
before many, many other states did that. Another place that I visited over this last break was Project Enlightenment, which is 51 years old and was one of the first places in the state and the country dedicated to early childhood development and training people to make sure that children, all children, no matter where they came from, got off to the right start. We know that education is the best investment for our economy, for the future of our young people, and for our country. Well, Representative Ross, thank you so much for being with us today. I hope this is the first of many conversations that we can have over the coming months and years. So we're great. We're so happy you were able to join us. Oh, it's been wonderful. I would love to be with you again. School funding is a complex issue that involves federal, state, and local investments. In North Carolina, K-12 education accounts for nearly 40% of the state's budget each year. While this is significant, it is important to consider this in the context of our state's funding surplus, national comparisons, and the current time of COVID-19 recovery and transition. It is important to remember that we are talking about investments and what makes education effective investments in our educators, investments in our classrooms, and investments in our students. This summer, North Carolina's lawmakers are in the middle of a lengthy budget negotiation process that will decide how our public schools are supported over the next two years. Following the governor's recommended budget released in April, the North Carolina Senate released their budget proposal in mid-June, which included a 1.5% raise for this year and the same for next year for teachers and principals. The Senate proposal generally offers smaller investments in public education as compared with Governor Cooper's proposal. And as the summer continues, we will see a compromise budget emerge between the Senate and the House that they will send to Governor Cooper for his signature. This will be after the fiscal year begins for schools across North Carolina. As we watch budget negotiations unfold, it is important to keep in mind that North Carolina has an additional $6.5 billion in revenues to spend over the next two years. That's an important backdrop when considering our position nationally when it comes to education. In 2018-19, our state was estimated to rank 30th in the nation when it comes to teacher pay, with an average teacher salary of just under $54,000. This figure includes local salary supplements, which vary widely across districts. And a recent report by the forum found that 80% of North Carolina school districts report average teacher salaries that are below the state average. The average teacher pay in North Carolina falls over $8,000 below the national average salary of over 62,000. We have made progress in improving teacher pay over the past decade, but we can and must do better to attract and retain the best and brightest teachers who can ensure our students have a high quality educational experience. Another key national position we should consider is our per pupil funding rank, which is about 40th nationally. Today, our per pupil average expenditures are nearly $3,000 less than the national average expenditure per student. And in our local school finance study, we have found that local districts have been forced to take on a larger share of instructional expenses, exacerbating inequities in educational opportunities between those districts with the least and the greatest need. And even when districts have the local wealth to make big investments to mitigate the impacts of decreased state investments, it's still not enough. Most of our districts still spend below the national average on our students. 
Fortunately, we have a roadmap for supporting our public schools in targeted ways that ensure all of our children have access to a sound basic education in the Leandro Comprehensive Eight-Year Remedial Plan recently signed by Judge David Lee. From improving supports for our teachers to ensuring that classrooms are adequately resourced, the Leandro Plan lifts up the most significant investments needed to support our public schools and our students. While North Carolina has access to several billion dollars in federal COVID relief funds, those are intended for one-time use to support North Carolina's recovery. Recurring state investments are needed to ensure that today's children and future generations are well positioned to compete in tomorrow's economy. With the news that North Carolina's economic status is better than anyone could have ever imagined in the wake of COVID-19, with an additional $6.5 billion in revenue over the coming years, the time is now to invest in our children and our future. Thank you for taking time with us to learn and think about education. That's all for today and we'll see you next week.